the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, now on 106.3 FM in East Portland and Vancouver, and 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860 The Answer KPAM, La Patrona 1640, 93.1 El Rey, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk with you about getting more people back to your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio and podcasting, building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you, marketing your message or brand directly to your target audience through the latest and most powerful online tools of Salem Surround. And most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or a connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. And that's spelled M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. Speaking of emails, we got one here at the station from today's very special guests. They are the co-founders of Acres of Hope Youth Ranch in Salem, Oregon, a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and they specialize in mentorship with hurting teens and families, giving hurting youth hope and healing while keeping Jesus at the center. So welcome, Justin and Emmy Arana. How are you today? Doing good. Very good. Thank you uh, so much for having us. May I ask, what nationality is Arana from? That is Basque, which is Spanish, and uh, I'm actually adopted, but my dad is Basque and comes from uh, Nicaragua. Oh, yep. how neat. I had no guess looking at you, too. <laughs> yep. No, you, I, you per- I am not that. Basque, but uh, because I was adopted into the family, and my dad doesn't really look Spanish, but uh, his grandfather was from Spain. Yep. All right, my friends. So you are a married couple working together in ministry, and it's for an official 501c3 nonprofit. So correct me if I'm wrong, but... <clears throat> Any contributions made to Acres of Hope Youth Ranch are a tax deduction, aren't they? Correct. Make sure that you check out the website, acresofhopeyouthranch.org. That's acresofhopeyouthranch.org. And I loved watching your impact video and your story video from Corbin. So how did that come about, Emmy? The video itself uh, was because myself and our development director, Heather Holcomb, both were graduates of Corbin University. So uh, they got to come out and just kind of do a little story video about what's going on at Acres of Hope and what we're doing um, as an impact to the community uh, after being Corbin graduates. Well, that's wonderful. Now, as a part-time Corbin adjunct in media arts, I want to hear more about your Corbin experience, but for right now... Could the two of you give us your elevator pitch regarding Acres of Hope Youth Ranch ministry? Um, Acres of Hope Youth Ranch stems from just hurt and God using that to bring beauty to hurting places. And so I was an educator for nine years. And so I just had this heart for hurting teens in the classroom as a teacher. And God gave this vision. So fast forward, we thought this is elevator pitch. So the shorter version is we thought it'd be something and God took it a different way. And uh, we get to run this beautiful nonprofit on a 40 acre equestrian facility and mentor herding teens. So that's what we get to do with horses and cats and dogs. And we're starting archery. So there's a lot going on there. That is beautiful, Emmy. So tell us for you personally, How is it being outdoors versus working inside a classroom? Oh, man, I taught middle school math, so that was a tough one. Oh, God bless you. First of all, math. Second of all, middle schoolers? Wow. Double whammy. Mm -hmm. want to get a beating, don't you? (laughs) Yes, I was looking for it. No, I loved it. I loved that age. 
but I I got to see the kids struggle, yet I'm stuck in a classroom environment with 35 plus kids sometimes, and I can't reach them. And I know they're hurting. I would see their behavior and I it didn't bother me. I just knew it was coming from a place of brokenness or whatever. They were navigating friendships, um, addiction at home with parents, parents being just MIA, all of that stuff. And I got to have some one-on-one conversations and I was a coach for many years, coached volleyball. Um, And so I got to, yeah, I got to build, build relationships and in those ways. And I got to have some cool conversations with kids just talking about what healthy friendship looks like. And if they're doing drugs with their friends, like that, that's probably not a friend that cares as much as you think. And I just wanted more of that. And I knew relationships change things. Um, I knew they had changed things for me. I knew there's, we have these forks in the road many times and we can go one way or another and one can spiral us down and one can spiral us up and having a positive relationship in our lives will change which way we go. And so I just wanted more of that. And I got to be a stay at home mom for a while, which left me a lot of time to sit and process and pray and be in the word and journal And God just gave me this vision for pairing herding teens with horses. I grew up with horses and they were healing to me. God used horses out in the field and in the country and in just, you know, ways you don't expect. And I wanted to provide that for other herding teens. That is wonderful, Amy. Could you elaborate on where you grew up, please? I grew up in Amity, Oregon. I was born in Minnesota, but we moved here when I was five and uh, just grew up in the country, small town, and I just had a great experience going to Amity, just great teachers, really invested, and then moved into Salem, went to Western Oregon University, got my degree there for education, and then moved into Salem to, to teach. So, What about the teachers you grew up with inspired you personally to become a teacher yourself? They cared, and it was a smaller town, and it's actually funny. We went to a basketball game recently, and I just ran into my high school math teacher there, and I just got to talk with her for a long time. They just cared, and I went through some really hard stuff when I was a teenager. I was a sophomore in high school. It's a small town, so everybody knows, right? Nothing is hidden, and they handled that just with grace and care and through relationships. And so I had an awesome volleyball coach at the time. I had a really tight knit, like strong group of friends that were still friends to this day. So those relationships with teachers and with coaches changed kind of where I went. And then I got involved in um, a local church, Salem Alliance Church, when I was a teenager. And there was some people in that church that came alongside and mentored me. I was really shy, not within my close friends, but in general, I was pretty shy And I started going to a college group at church and this lady, Barb Burge, came alongside of me and started mentoring me. And she told me she saw a leader in me. And I thought she was crazy because I did not see a leader in myself. But because she told me that and planted a seed, I started to process that. Am I a leader? What kind of things do I have that make me a leader? And I got to step in some leadership roles and I got to greet people that would come to Bible study. And so... That mentorship piece changed my life. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be running a nonprofit. That's for sure. I was way too shy to do something like that. But those relationships and that mentorship built into me and planted seeds that allowed me to see who God created me to be. It's funny you say you're so shy and quiet, (laughs) but I see you as so incredibly intelligent and Mm well-spoken. So you must be in your comfort zone when it comes to talking about Acres of Hope. I am. I love talking about Acres of Hope. And I actually at Corbin got to go speak at their chapel once uh, recently this last year. And I hated public speaking. I went to college in in high school. If anybody from Amity is listening right now, they know when I gave speeches uh, in high school, my voice would shake because I was so nervous. I sounded like I was crying the whole time. And when I went to college, I waited to take my core speech class until I was a junior because I thought it would make me feel less nervous. So I hated public speaking, being in front of people, doing something like this. And that's just testament to what God can do through the power of relationships and people saying, no, this is what I see in you. And then getting to step into that. It's scary. But the more I step into it, the more I am letting myself have a voice. And that's pretty cool. And that's just God working through other people. That's extremely cool. And I love what you said about mentorship, Emmy. And I enjoy 
how many churches and ministries go out of their way to make people feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think this kind of illustrates when the Bible talks about there being something good about people with gray hair, someone valuable speaking into your life who maybe is a little older and at the same time, never shutting down the heart of the youth. Mm -hmm. So I love the fact that this woman spoke into your life as a mentor and showed you something about yourself you really didn't know. Mm Mm-hmm. So what do you take about the mentors you've had over the years when it comes to positively affecting youth at Acres of Hope? They're humble. They're they're learning themselves. They're not coming in. I think it's really important with mentorship to be listeners, to be encouragers, and not to try to fix people. So I think that's healthy in any relationship. And so the mentorship relationships I've got to have helped teach me that because they were that themselves and they were always learning. And so that has been impactful for me in learning what healthy mentorship looks like and how not to shame somebody, how not to slap Christianese on people. That's not healthy either. And so I was so fortunate that the mentors I had, Barb Burge was there during my college years. And then um, my post-college years, I had another mentor who is still my mentor today and has mentored Justin and I as a married couple. And so uh, Deb, she's wonderful. And so I, I got blessed with people that would do that just with grace, uh, with humility, uh, with a heart to pray behind the scenes and not discount what prayer can do for somebody, even though it feels like you're not fixing things. Um, but it is, it's little by little. I love it. So where did you two meet in the first place, Justin? Emmy and I met on a blind date. My sister was friends with one of Emmy's roommates. Emmy was living with six or seven girls at the time. And uh, my sister was like, hey, my friend has this roommate that we think you guys should should meet. And I mean, me personally, I was I only remember being like, yeah, cool. Let's go on a blind date. Like, I don't have anything to lose. Right. And get to go out to a nice dinner and meet a new lady. And um so we went out to dinner. Um, we contacted each other and uh, texted a little bit and then went out to dinner um, at a local restaurant in South Salem. And all I remember is we sat there for like two plus hours and just had great, easy, smooth conversation. There was nothing awkward about it. And I like to say we clicked like pretty much immediately. And um, we found out we went to first grade school together. So I grew up in West Salem. And uh, we went to first grade together and didn't really know it at the time, but uh, we had a lot in common and um, just really hit it off. So now it's uh, almost 14 years, 14 years later. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's yep. wonderful. Have there been any mentors that have spoken to your life, Justin? Oh, man. So friendships and surrounding myself with good quality people that I know care about me and uh, whatnot growing up is one of the things that I say kind of kept me on the straight and narrow. Growing up, uh, going to a youth group was one of uh, the things that I'll never forget and being really involved in my church. I grew up kind of going to Dayspring Fellowship in Kaiser and our uh, youth group leader there, Carl, and uh, others that were just, you could tell that they really cared. You know, they were doing that job because they wanted to, give back and they loved you and cared for you and would pray for you and mentors in my life really uh, has been a very important intricate part of my christian walk for sure yep oh i love it so when we return let's find out how it is working together as a married couple for the same company or in this case acres of hope youth ranch ministry in salem oregon and you can find out more information at the website acresofhopeyouthranch.org that's acresofhopeyouthranch.org we shall make sure to link up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com more with Emmy and Justin Arana next on Difference Makers Welcome back to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and Emmy and Justin Arana are the co-founders of a nonprofit ministry called Acres of Hope Youth Ranch, which is located in Salem, Oregon. So can you tell us 
the different roles that each of you plays with this ministry, Justin? Yep, for sure. So I am a facilities director for the ranch. Um, I work very closely with our volunteer team and kind of manage the projects and maintenance on the property. I also do a lot of uh, community engagement. I go to different chamber meetings and really just try to create partnerships and get the word out to people and letting them know exactly, you know, what God is doing on the property. So Acres of Hope is located in Salem. We're we're technically in Rickreal, like four miles just outside of West Salem, headed to the coast. We like to say West Salem or Salem because it's more people know where that is. So, Are you close to the Polk County Fairgrounds? We're like three miles from there. Okay. Yep, just between West Salem and the fairgrounds there. Yep. So where do most of the youth come from that attend Acres of Hope Youth Ranch? I would say the entire Willamette Valley. So we get referrals from you know, school counselors and physicians and different pastors and churches through the whole Willamette Valley. There's groups that come down from Portland with kids that are in a group home and kind of just all over the place. Majority, I would say, close in the Willamette Salem area, but they come from kind of all over. You seem like a very serene, in control young man, Justin. But (laughs) when you talk about the facilities, how many acres are we talking about that you're maintaining? So we're on 40 acres. Uh, (laughs) We, we, well, we have a, a 20 acre hay field, which is incredible. It gives us about 2000 bales of hay a year and then uh, kind of a developed 20 acres. We live on the property. Um, We have some outbuildings and uh, a large covered indoor arena that we uh, do the horse activities in. Do many of the youth that you serve come from a farm type background or do you have any young ones coming completely out of their element and out of their comfort zone? So I would say the vast majority of the kids in our program do not come from a farm background at all or, or anything like that. They uh, they come from just a normal household or, or whatever. And uh, we serve all aspects of herding teens. So we advertise that we uh, mentor ages 12 to 19, but we flex that a little bit kind of depending on the case. But a lot of these kids, uh, it's all aspects of her. So kids that are in great loving households with both Christian parents that are still going through very difficult times in school and depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts and all of that to extreme trauma and everything in between. Maybe some parents need to hear this. I mean, we have these stereotypes that, oh, if I only made more money, if I only had a better relationship with my spouse, if only we lived in a better school district, my kid would be less messed up. Is that really true, though? I would say no, (laughs) not at all. Our parents bring the youth out for the most part. We have some partnerships with some different transportation, but for the most part, we're working with parents who are trying to find something for their kids um, and they are they are well-intended parents doing the best they can and we're not perfect right as parents um, any other parents out here listening know this we know this uh, we make mistakes and things don't go right I think apologizing to our kids is a really strong thing to do and teaching them that you can't apologize and we can mess up but where you're at with parenting I think love is just the most important that the kids feel loved. It doesn't matter where people are living, what their income level is. If your kids feel loved um, and their needs are met in that way, that that can go a really long way. So by all means, boast on your own family. How many kids are you blessed with? So we have uh, two kids, two incredible kids, uh, Taylor, uh, 12-year-old daughter, and Parker, our nine-year-old son. And uh, they are incredible kids. Can't speak higher enough of them. They absolutely are not perfect. But, um, man, they, uh, they are great, empathetic, loving kids and uh, just a blessing to have on the property. Yeah, and yeah. doing ministry, having kids is another thing we have to navigate as parents of trying to make sure our kids, we bring them alongside with us to do the ministry with us. So it doesn't feel like, okay, mom and dad are just out here serving other kids, but what about us? Like they get to come alongside of us. They get to volunteer with us. And so they get to help other kids feel welcome Um, Our daughter, Taylor, loves to give tours. And so if people come and they have their kids with them, uh, just this last week, she got to volunteer with a family that comes out with their daughters and they volunteer and it's a mom and their daughters and she just got to go out there and work with them. And so it's cool to just bring them alongside and do ministry with them. We have an incredible staff that just sees our kids, too, and just brings them in. It's a family. It's a community. So extra mentors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. 
There's a book out there called Sticky Faith, mm. and it talks about flipping the normal model upside down instead of thinking, oh, well, I need one small group youth leader per five kids, that my kid should have five mentor types speaking into his or her life. So I'm glad that you've got that built in mm-hmm. for your own personal mm-hmm. kids at Acres of Hope yeah, Youth Yeah, it's important. So, Emmy, what are your job duties on a day-to-day basis? Or do you have normal <laughs> schedules or routines, or is it kind of all over the place relative to your husband, Justin's? And how often are you working physically together at the same time throughout mm. the week? Good question. So we're kind of in the process of structuring our organization right now. So it's a little bit in transition, but my main job role is co-founder with Justin and CEO. So that looks like a lot of different things right now because we're working on just moving things around, but we work on a ranch. And so we always say, okay, we here's our schedule. This is what our, we're going to do. But it's interesting when you work with horses because they're thousand pound living animals that have needs every day. So it, it kind of, you have to flex, be very flexible with that. But I do things with the horses, do things with our um, leadership team, lots of meetings, um, looking at the vision and where we're going, new programs. So I also am the program director. So I do scheduling, work with parents, the program side of things. So the paperwork, the filing, all that not so fun stuff. But <laughs> And I also get to do some sessions with some kids. So that's fun to stay in there and keep those relationships alive with those kids that I started with a couple of years ago. Well, that's wonderful, Emmy. This isn't the only thing that you've done career-wise, is it, Justin? Uh, no, it's not. At all. So my dad started a family construction business uh, back in the late 80s. And um, just right out of high school, I pretty much started working for the local family construction business. And uh, I have an identical twin brother. Uh, We ran the business together for about 15 years pre-COVID. And my dad kind of stepped out of the business and let my brother and I kind of take over and run the thing. And um we built a new shop and whatnot, and my dad came back into the business. And um, my dad and I never, ever was able to work well together. We just butted heads. And um, the only way it really worked was when my dad was not there. So when he came back, it just it was not working. Unfortunately, my dad and I weren't able to have a, a father-son relationship and work together. In April of 2020, I resigned from the business and we launched Acres of Hope. So before COVID, uh, running the construction business, man, I was fully dedicated to the construction business, I would say. So we worked for, the name of our business was Western Construction. And I say, like, I am Western. Like, it is everything to me. Like, it's all I know. It's what I'm comfortable with. And I'm a lifer. Like, I am, I'm not going anywhere. And um, the Lord had other plans for me. And uh, we were able to purchase this property. And, um, right in December of 19, right pre COVID, we purchased this property for acres of hope to launch acres of hope. And then boom, immediately COVID hits and the world is shut down. Contractors aren't working. We can't launch acres of hope. We can't afford this property. Like, so now what do we do Lord? And through the whole purchase process, our hands were just wide open saying, Lord, this is such a long shot. If you want us to be here, you're going to make it happen. And it's not us. Like it is not us. And, um, he, uh, he got us the property and we, we, uh, moved in and COVID hit. And also I, I went into work one day and, um, knowing that this day was going to come, didn't know it was going to be that morning and walked out and never went back to the construction business, came home to, no job, not able to launch Acres of Hope. The world is shut down. Very uneasy times for us and our family, just like it was for lots of people. The majority of people, very difficult times, very unknown and scary. Um, nobody knew exactly what was going on and everybody's different opinions and everything. And we were just like, Lord, like you have this because it is, it is not by our doing where we're at right now. And through a lot of uh, mentorship and prayer, we launched Acres of Hope in July of 20, right in the beginning, in the middle of probably the one of the deepest months of COVID. And uh, it's just a huge blessing to have the property in a facility where people can come and get out of their house. And we hosted a couple um funeral receptions and countless birthdays and stuff along those lines. And would just people would come onto the property and say, wow, it just 
it feels different here. And we're like, it's the Lord, it's the Holy spirit here. And it's just peaceful. And the fires of 2020. So the fires up in the San Ian Canyon, we were a rescue for that. And we had almost 60 additional horses on our property and all the horses were calm and people would come and be like, wow, we just came from the Salem fairgrounds and it is literally like a zoo there. And it's just nuts. And we come here and it's just like, it's so calm and the horses are just sleeping. And that's our prayer for the properties that people would turn off of the pavement and onto the gravel and just be able to feel the Holy spirit and, um, feel that, peace. and feel peace. Yep. That's amazing that you were able to follow God's prompting, leave a career that I'll argue had become your identity, Justin. Yeah. It really had become what you thought of yourself. Yeah. And I'm sure it gave you some mad skills over those 15 odd years uh, and growing up yeah. with your dad yep. and sure. working with your brother. Yep. It was a huge blessing. The construction business was a huge blessing. Uh taught me a lot. It made me who I am today, you know, I always say that I am who I am today from because of my dad and the business, you know, there's lots of positive things, but also some negative things that came out of that, that helped me to realize, you know, what not to do and whatnot. But, uh, it was a huge, huge blessing. My dad was a, was a great dad and, uh, but we just were not able to work together. And I see that a lot in family businesses. So being married or working together or whatever, uh, working closely, it's difficult it's a battle every day to acknowledge how you're treating your spouse and stuff like that. And the difficulty uh, working with my dad, I mean, Emmy and I, we had an agreement that we would never work together. Like it just was not worth it. Like she was not going to work for the construction business. She would never be employed with the construction business just because my marriage is more important than anything. And it's just not worth it. It's hard enough as is, but you work together. It's just a, it's a whole nother deal. And, now the Lord has us working together side by side, and it is not easy, but it's all good. And um, we absolutely would. We would shut everything down tomorrow and move if it, it were to compromise our marriage. So the Lord is moving, and the Lord is providing, and it's uh, it's incredible what really is going on at the ranch. So I always get a kick out of when we Christians think we know everything, <laughs> all right? Yeah. What does the Bible or say? Or we have a plan. Yeah. Man plans, but God directs. Mm -hmm. So anytime someone says, oh, we're okay being the cool aunt and uncle, we don't want to have kids. Or in your case, yeah. we will never, ever work together. Yeah. I love how God just throws us curveballs yeah. so yeah. often. Yeah. So how did you make this okay to flip from your original premise of never working together? that you are working together well today, good days and bad days. Mm -hmm. I think that is just where there's a lot of unknown when you're following God's plan. And so we have learned, and it's a daily battle sometimes, but that we just have to surrender to that and trust that his ways are always better than ours. They are. Our original dream and vision for Acres of Hope was just at our five-acre property in West Salem that we owned. That's what we were going to do. It was going to be my thing. He was going to do construction and the day that I said, okay, God, here, we had a five-year plan, and I just came home one day and said, I just need to surrender my plan to you. Here's my five-year plan, and you do what you want with it. If I start with one kid tomorrow, whatever it looks like, because I say I'm a recovering perfectionist, so I wanted to make sure everything was in its place before we started Acres of Hope, even on our little five-acre property. And I surrendered it to him, and I took it to prayer every morning. And he just, nine days later, literally, stuff started to happen with this property. So this was in May of 2019. I say, here you go, God. I open my hands. Here you go. And in December of 2019, we moved to that 40-acre facility. So even just that journey of faith and fear, and we don't know what the heck's going to happen. We can't afford this property, but he's calling us to it. And now, three years later, the bills are still being paid. The, we're only doing full-time ministry where I stepped down from teaching. I used to be a teacher. He stepped down from construction. Like the math, I used to teach math. The math doesn't add up and God is providing. And so we're so logical in our thinking, especially in our Western culture. We're so logical and we want to wrap our brains and our heads around everything. And we can't. We can't, whether you're a believer or not a believer, you just logically can't explain everything. And so we just had to get to this place of, okay, if God is calling us to this ministry and to work together, then we trust that he's going to have us and we're going to be okay. And we have, and we've actually grown closer. There's been a lot of hard, but I would say we're closer than we've ever been in our marriage working through that hard. 
that in itself is evidence of God. So yes. congratulations <laughs> to you, Justin and Emmy Arana, co-founders of Acres of Hope Youth Ranch in the Salem Ricreal area, with more information at acresofhopeyouthranch.org. Let's hear some more good success stories about Acres of Hope when we return on Difference Makers. listening to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and Justin and Emmy Arana are the co-founders of a wonderful nonprofit ministry called Acres of Hope Youth Ranch. They specialize in mentorship with hurting teens and families, and they use their ranch to give hurting youth hope and healing while keeping Jesus at the center of things, most of which revolves around horses, which Emmy had grown up with, and God had given her this vision while being a stay-at-home mom yep. <laughs> uh, after your career as a math teacher, were there times that you felt maybe even freer to hear from God because the number of distractions you had was so taken away from you? Yeah, for sure. And it, it's a different distraction, right? You've got kids at home and it sometimes those days can feel all-consuming. And I was one who actually never thought I'd be a stay-at-home mom. Like that just wasn't ever anything that I felt like drawn to. And I got to go with Salem Lights Church to some just women's retreats that they had and got to just be in community with other women and believers and other moms and get to do life with them and just space to listen when I'm there and space to go walk on the beach or journal or listen to a worship music. And so I got to do that a lot. And those were some of the times where God spoke to me to stay at home. And so in those years of staying at home, I did you know, in the peaceful moments of the naps and and things like that. I did just have more time or waking up early before the kids got up, have space to just process with God and pray through those things. So yeah, it was a beautiful season. And I, I had a hard relationship with my daughter before that. And when I became a stay at home mom, like our relationship just flourished more and we bonded in different ways. And I felt like I was getting home and then having to get her a nap and then put, and I was always the bad guy, you know, and So it was cool to just be able to be home and support them. And I have no regrets about doing that. It was just a beautiful season of life. So you're a good Christian couple, regularly attending a solid church at Salem Alliance. And you've got one boy and you've got one girl. Do you see aspects of them that remind you of yourselves? Do you clash with one more than the other? Do you Mm. bond with one differently? Is it a mother-son father daughter thing what do you think oh man oh man um boy i get along and relate greatly with my daughter um taylor is incredible and she i think she's a lot like me she's kind of quiet and reserved just like i always was and am parker's probably a little bit more outgoing but i relate and i connect with parker on an amazing level i wouldn't say that either one is more than the other but uh they're both just uh they're both incredible kids yeah, they're, it's kind of fun to watch them because they're so different. You know, Parker does have that naturally outgoing personality and Taylor's more reserved. Taylor's a deeper thinker uh, and I was the youngest of five. So I grew up in a pretty big family and my mom always tells people she thought she was God's gift to parenting until she had me. So, and I know you all are listening on the radio, but I have red hair, so I'm a, I'm a little bit spicy. And so I just was challenging to her and so... Taylor has that like challenging mentality in a good way. Like I actually see it as a, as a gifting. And if that gets channeled, you know, later in life, it can be a good leadership skill, but she has that also that little challenger and Parker is just empathetic and caring and just loves other people really well. So they're just, it's cool how uniquely different God's created them. Yep. For sure. It's very cool to watch. I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget that God made them exactly how he chose to. Mm -hmm. And sometimes dealing with their strengths and their weaknesses is difficult. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that you have each other and that you have such a strong relationship. So do you have any good advice when it comes to parenting in this age, particularly after COVID? I mean, you run this ranch where Mm -hmm. you emphasize the importance of Fellowship, mentorship, community, and getting outside. Yeah. 
which I think is crucial Mm -hmm. for mental health. I firmly believe that. Uh, I think that things like sports and music are Mm -hmm. vital, whether or not you're going to be college material or pro someday, because they teach things, life lessons, Mm -hmm. wins, losses, when things go against you unjustly, when somebody misses a call, (laughs) when... uh, you played something perfectly in rehearsal for months and you blow it at the concert. I think these life lessons are important. So what do you try to pass along, not only to your kids, but to the youth coming to Acres of Hope? Oh, man, we've had so many conversations with our kids. First of all, I think the biggest advice I'd probably give parents is to listen, to sit and actually listen to your kids and teach them how to listen, teach them how to have um tense conversations or hard conversations so that can be really hard sometimes and sometimes we're going back and forth and we just hang in there and they do start to get it don't discount our kids they're a lot smarter than we think and then we give them credit for and so teaching them the life skills of how do you handle when there's disappointment like we are very um, passionate about not bubble wrapping them and making life perfect because then how do you handle adversity when you get older, right? So I want them to handle that and experience those things when they're in my house and we can help. Okay. How do you navigate that? We, how do you navigate difficult coaches that you are frustrated with? Well, do you just quit basketball? No, you don't just quit basketball. Okay. How can you advocate for yourself? How can you communicate and speak up and practice or make things as best as you can? And we'll do that with our youth at Acres of Hope. So they'll, you know, complain about parents or school or whatever. And we want to listen. We want to hear them. We want to acknowledge. And then we want to say, okay, what's in your control? I love the serenity prayer, right? So what is in our control and what's not? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. There are some things we can't change. But the wisdom to know when can we and what can we do and how can we change The world, really, they can. Like, these are our future leaders, these kids. Our personal kids, these kids at Acres of Hope, they're our future leaders. And we can't bubble wrap them and rescue them all the time. So just teaching them how to walk through those things is huge, I think. I think whether or not kids were raised in certain family environments or neighborhoods or socioeconomic advantages, there's always going to be common issues that you're dealing with. You'd mentioned that before, that there is no place to bubble wrap your kids and Mm -hmm. keep them safe from the Mm -hmm. big bad world. Mm -hmm. So tell us about trauma. Does the church overall give enough resources or thought when it comes to what the kids in particular are going through? I think... We're getting better. I think there's, as we get more awareness, there is a little bit of growth, but I do see in a lot of instances this separation of, okay, here's church resources and then here's mental health trauma resources. And they're separate and they shouldn't be. The church and Christians can learn from the mental health resources and the trauma resources and have tools to help because it's a lot. It's a lot what our kids are going through and what our kids have to navigate today. And so learning from that and vice versa, like that community can learn from the church and relationship. And it's hard when relationships are taken out of mental health, you know, and if it's it's just a counselor and there's all these boundaries and boundaries are great and that's wonderful. And so is relationship. So we, we are huge proponents of counseling. We're a mentorship program. So we tell our kids we're, we're not counselors. We're not going to diagnose you. So we encourage them to go and to seek that form of help. But when they come here, they sometimes they're like, I just need a real person to talk to. And we're just real people doing real life. And one of our values at Acres of Hope is that we just come and we all get to be broken people together. And we don't all come and Our session leaders and our staff don't come and pretend we're all these perfect people and we're just saving all you kids. No, not at all. We're like, we're broken people with you. We are with you. And we have leaders that are navigating really hard things and mental health struggles. And so they get to know they're not alone and that there's not this hierarchy of, oh, they're older adults that have it all together or they're Christians and they have it all together because that is a slippery slope. No, we don't like we're broken and we need a doctor and Jesus is our doctor and he's our healer. And 
we can get a lot of tools and resources from our community and trauma informed practices. And that's just, we're really passionate about that. I'm so glad to hear that. And just your transparency that mm-hmm. now we don't have all the answers. <clears throat> no, we want to be there and love on you mm-hmm. and allow conversations. And in this case, it's horses mm-hmm. and the care of these horses, which somehow opens these conversations that you might not have. They're amazing. Otherwise. Animals. So are there other ministries out there that maybe deal with things differently. Horses aren't their way to get into the conversation that you were admiring. Um, yeah, we work with a lot of partner organizations that are doing amazing things. So we are really passionate about we're going to stay in our lane and we're going to do what we do well, right? So we have horses and a lot of people just, they don't have a barn. They don't have the facility to have horses, right? So we get to do that and we do teens and we do that really well. And if we all keep going out of our lanes and try to conquer the whole world, we're not serving our community well in that way. So community partners are really important to us. So we work with uh, Safety Compass is one we love. They work with rescued um, victims of sex trafficking, and they're like on the front lines and work with law enforcement. A Village for One up in Portland, they also help survivors of sex trafficking, and we partner with them community action home youth services we get to partner with them and they get to bring a group of kids out to the ranch the gate community center gets to bring a group out also Um, and then just this last year we actually got to partner with salem kaiser public schools we have a partnership with them where they have their edge online program and five of their kids get to come out so we want to partner with, you know, the gate is a community center. So these kids get to go to this community center. They just have other resources and even plugging people back into churches and youth groups that do youth groups well, we're really passionate about. So I think as a community, we can do a disservice mm-hmm. to our youth or whoever it is we're serving by trying to do it all. And we can't. So I think it's great to partner with other organizations who are doing what they're doing really well. Liberty House is another one who you know, intakes kids that have abuse or disclose and they have counselors and it's trauma informed and it's just, it's beautiful. So it's, it's really cool to be able to work with them. So Amy is the former math teacher and recovering perfectionist as <laughs> well as me. you just working <laughs> yeah, with the operation. Sure. I'm sure a program like acres of hope must be very expensive to put together. So there's a kid listening right now, a teenager or there's a frustrated parent wondering mm-hmm. what to do. How much of an investment would it be for these families to attend Acres of Hope Youth Ranch? So our program, we have always called from the very beginning to have it be at no cost to our families. So there is no barrier of price or if that's a barrier for anyone. We just want it to be gone. We want to eliminate it. All it takes is going to our website and there's a form if anybody's interested that they can fill out to get their kid in our program. The need is high. So we do have a wait list right now, but we actually just launched a wait list mentor program where even the kids on our wait list can come and get out on the ranch and they can work alongside a volunteer and take care of the horses and scoop poop and sweep the aisles and stock hay and feed the horses and all that kind of stuff so they can start to build that relationship and come to the ranch meet the horses, get to know them um, a little bit more. Horses are beautiful, beautiful teachers, um, and they do it without words. So some of the kids that come to the ranch, they don't have words. They don't know how to formulate words. They're shy or they're reserved, and they get to practice this communication with the horse. That's body language. They get to practice taking up space with the horse. They get to practice what leadership looks like in not a worldly sense, um, standing on the stage, but what it means to be confident and to carry yourself with your shoulders up and your head held high as they work with these horses. And these horses will respond. They'll end up in this round pen area, following them around with no halter on. And how empowering is that for a kid to have a thousand pound animal following you around by choice, choosing to be with you because you were a good leader to that horse. It is, it's powerful and it doesn't take any words. That's amazing that you really felt led that this needed to be free of charge. Mm -hmm. So when we started Acres of Hope, for one, this property was way out of our financial comfort zone. It was not in our plans. It was not uh, financially. It was a horrible purchase and decision on paper. But if it was going to happen, it was because Lord wanted us there. And then 
Secondly, Emmy, you know, since day one, she's like, I don't want to charge. Like, if this is God's organization, then he's going to provide for us. And so we're purchasing this property and then COVID hits and still, no, we're not charging. Well, you guys could just charge a, a little bit and it would help. No, like we don't want that. A lot of these kids come from very difficult uh, families and backgrounds and having the community come alongside us and support us in the way that they have. It's just, it's, it's humbling and confirming and just yesterday we were on a, a phone call conversation with a supporter, somebody, and we were talking about how to different ways that we needed help. And uh, one of the things was to increase some hours of our staff to help. And uh, he's writing us a check for $12,000 to increase the hours from some of our staff. And I was like, why would you do that? You know? And he's like, I, I believe in you guys. I see what you're doing. You know, the true impact that you're having on these kids and changing their lives and you know, number one, our goal is to keep kids alive, right? So if we can't keep them alive, then we can't lead them to the Lord. And then, so we meet them where we're at. We love on them. We show them God's love through our actions and then, uh, then lead them to the Lord. And it's all in, in God's timing. And it's just, uh, it makes me emotional, not for him giving to acres of hope, but for him, you know, believing in us. And, um, it's, uh, it's been pretty incredible. It's cool for our kids to see the community support them in that way. And it's not that their parents are paying for it. It's, wait, I get to come here for free and these session leaders are just hanging out with me and they're not charging me anything. And so to have the community, we have um, impact leaders on the back wall of our barn that give more than 5000 a year and they get to come in every session and see all those people that are just rallying around them. And every June we have a barn party fundraiser and this last year we did, they had paddle raises and I asked a family, I said, I want you to come. I don't want you to spend a dime, but I want you to come and I want you to watch this community support you. And they're just in tears because they're sitting there watching all these paddles raise and it's like, oh my gosh, these people care this much about us. It's really impactful for the youth to watch the community come alongside them in that way. It's, it's pretty powerful. I love the sacrifices and the obedience that you've shown, and I'm sure it has already impacted your own two kids mm-hmm. when it comes to being faithful and obedient and listening to God. Mm-hmm. And I also love how you're just taking time to hang out with these kids mm-hmm. and listen to them and give them an ear to hear. So keep up the great work, Justin and Emmy Arana of Acres of Hope Youth Ranch Ministry. How can people help? So, uh, I would say go online and follow us. I guess social media would probably be the best way to follow us and kind of stay up on top of kind of what's going on on the ranch. Um, be a word for us in the community. Let people know about us. We are relatively a new nonprofit. We just, in, uh, we're going through our third session year. You know, we, uh, a lot's going on and, um, to be a voice for us and, uh, just check out our website. And financially, we are free and it is, we have nine staff. We have nine horses. We have, a whole ranch to take care of and, and serve these kids and an incredible volunteer Mm -hmm. team. We couldn't do what we do without one, our staff and two, our volunteers, but um, financially, and it's not thousands of dollars necessarily, but you know, $25, $50 here and there, it it all adds up and it all goes a long way for us to, you know, further God's kingdom and what he's doing on the ranch. So, yeah, we have three kind of, I would say, bigger fundraising events in the year. So if anybody likes to golf, we do that in the fall around September. If anybody wants to come out to the ranch and actually be at the ranch and put their feet in our dirt floor, we do a barn party in June. And that one is just really cool. We incorporate the horses into that and the youth. And so that's youth and family friendly that we do in June. And that can just be a powerful time to hear the youth stories, see the horses, interact with the ranch more on a personal level. And then we do one in February. And that one right now, actually, our event is sold out. For our February event, which is really cool. Our events most of the time do sell out. So if you guys are interested and you want to hear about it, coming to one of those events is a great option. So keep an eye out on social media and on our website because we have an events tab. So as soon as you go up there and see a registration, I would just encourage registering sooner rather than later because we do sell out. So the February fundraiser is an offsite fundraiser. So we try to gear towards different people and what they would like, whether golfing or dancing or being in a barn. (laughs) So, Thank you so much for helping youth through your horse ranch and keeping Jesus at the center and just Mm -hmm. being people to talk to. Mm -hmm. I think that is a wonderful ministry, especially 
in a COVID era. So keep up the good work. Is there anyone you want to say hi to or send a shout out to? Our kids, uh, <laughs> Taylor and Parker. Arana. Arana. Uh, su- su- such a blessing. They were like, mention our names on air, Dad. I'm like, okay, I will. And uh, our staff, man, um, mm-hmm. Jamie, our volunteer coordinator, Deb, our parent mentor. So we have a parent mentor. Uh, Deb meets with our parents when their kids are in session and has coffee with them and just is changing generations. Deb is an incredible person. Uh, Heather Holcomb, Trisha, and all Paige. Paige. <laughs> all, all of our uh, our staff, Andy man, we, and... God has placed them on the property for a reason, and we couldn't do this without them. It is Kara not... Kara Brown is running our events. Kara Brown, um, man. And uh, sessions. An so. incredible woman that God has placed mm-hmm. here at Acres of Hope, and... Um, it's not the work that Emmy and I are doing. It is the work that God's doing on the property through our team. And um, Sarah we, and Jeffrey yeah. Tag have been huge, um, not only financial supporters, but just encouraging. They sit down, they process with us, and we get to dream with them. And it's kind of fun to have that relationship with them. So um, we've gone and watched them do cow sorting and <laughs> all the fun things. So all our donors that have helped, it's changing lives. It's literally keeping these kids alive. Keep up the great godly work, Emmy and Justin Arana of Acres of Hope. And that website, one more time, is acresofhopeyouthranch.org. That's acresofhopeyouthranch.org. And thank you so much for joining us on Difference Makers. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.